So the first race in the round of 16 in NASCAR's playoff is wrapped up and we've got huge news on the F1 front as Mercedes is going with a different driver to match with Lewis Hamilton next season. That and more on today's episode of Three Wide in the Middle. This is Three Wide in the Middle. Thank you very much, as always, for joining me. And like I said, we got a lot to cover as we had a busy weekend of racing. Now, really quick, a couple little house cleaning items to take care of. Um, Last week, I talked about how we were going to be doing the show twice a week. Uh, we're going to be going just once a week. Um, I was looking at it, and instead of doing just like two episodes and kind of forcing stuff, um, I would rather just do one and kind of talk about everything that's going on and then just have that. So that way it's not forced. It doesn't get redundant and things like that. Um, because every day I could be talking about, you know, dirt track racing and stuff like that. And although, I mean, we all, you know, a lot of us love that, um, talking about the same thing over and over just from a different track, yeah, probably not going to be very entertaining. So we'll be doing once a week. Um, that'll be coming out on Wednesdays, which is why it's out today. But anyways, I remember years ago when I was a supervisor at UPS. I was 19 years old and I was a supervisor at UPS. So here I am, this young kid, and I'm working at this Fortune 500 company, right? And I'm having to, and I'm the boss, okay? I'm, I'm a supervisor. I'm the boss of grown men. And I used to have these discussions with a couple of my bosses who were they considered themselves athletes. Okay. Now at this time, like I said, I was 19. I was just a year and some, you know, a year and a couple months out of high school, um, where I was an athlete. Granted, I had blown my knee out. And so it did not end the way that I wanted it to, but I was an athlete. And at the time I was still racing. I was racing outlaw cards and then I was working on race teams and stuff like that. And I remember I used to have these heated discussions with these two guys that I worked with, Nick and Marcus. Now, Marcus was actually a very, very good golfer. And he actually went and played on a, I can't remember if it was the, the amateur tour here in the US or if he actually went to Canada or Europe or something like that. But he went to play and like try to make it into the big time. He was a phenomenal golfer. And Nick... Nick was in his like, I don't know, early 40s. And so he played like, you know, in a fast pitch men's league, you know, baseball league or something like that. And we used to have these heated discussions about racing, about whether or not racing was a sport. And they used to tell me all the time that they're like, they, they used to call me Spud. That was my nickname at UPS. Spud, it ain't a sport. It ain't hard. And I used to get so mad. I'm like, you jackasses have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, you have no clue. I said, I've played baseball, I've played golf, I've played football, basketball, soccer, I've done it all. I said, and the hardest thing I've ever done is, is race a car. I said, you have no idea how hard it is. <clears throat> and I remember they would sit there and they would just, their argument was always, it's not a sport. It's not a sport. It's not hard. 
those are not athletes. And I would get mad. I'd be like, go out and get into rush hour traffic, but do it at 160 miles per hour and try to be first. And you tell me if that's hard. Okay. And when we would have these discussions, I remember there was a Sports Illustrated issue that had come out because Nick had walked in. This had been going on for probably like a year. Nick had walked in. He said, hey, man, I, I got I to gotta give you some credit. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, SI just came out with the article that the hardest thing to do in all of sports, number one, and keep in mind, this was back in like 2002. He said, number one was hit a major league fastball. Right, So I think it was like 98 miles per hour. Hit a major league 98 mile per hour fastball. Number two was drive a race car. It basically, it was. I think they were talking about NASCAR. NASCAR, F1, or IndyCar. And I was like, I told you, man. It's freaking hard. And this last Sunday, if you watched that race, you got to see just how much of an athletic contest a race is. Those guys were in those cars for four plus hours at Darlington. How hot is it in South Carolina, right? Even when it's nighttime, what is it like? 95 with 97% humidity? NBC, they've got that, they've got that, that uh, intensity tracker or whatever it is. I mean, they can sit there and track how many calories they burn, how strained they are, what their heart rate is. And these guys are, they're, dude, they're, losing like five to seven pounds of water weight over the course of 500 miles. You're exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. I remember when I was back in North Carolina, we were going, my buddy Lee Watson, he was working for Casey Kane at the time. This was back when Casey Kane drove for Dodge for uh, Ray Everham's team. And me and Lee and Casey's cousin, Willie, who was running Casey's sprint car team at the time. That's what Lee worked on was the sprint car team. And we were driving to a race at Concord. We were going to a Hooters Pro Cup race. And it was, it was the time of the year was like May, where it's starting to get warm in North Carolina, right? And it's humid. Okay, it's just, it's just not fun. It, the South sucks when it comes to weather, man. It just blows. So we're driving and it's warm and we're in this little, you know, we're sitting three wide in this truck. And... Willie starts telling us about how Casey gets ready for NASCAR races and how he is in the middle of the summer. He's driving around in his car with the windows up and the heater on full blast to train himself to get used to get used to the heat. Now you got to think about a car that's 130 degrees inside. Think about that. You're cooking. You have to wear heel pads so you don't burn your feet on the floorboard because it gets so hot. And Saturday night, those guys put on... That was one of the better NASCAR races I've seen in a while. Um, it really was. It was a very, very good showing. And to see just how exhausted they were when they got out of the car. Kyle Larson, who last week... If, and if you didn't listen to last week's episode, if you're a Kyle Larson fan, go back and listen to it because I spend about 30 minutes talking about how great he is. And I'm going to do, do it again right now. That, that guy drove an incredible race. And he didn't even win. And that was the crazy thing. He drove the wheels off that car for 400 miles. 
But Denny Hamlin showed what you can do, right? If you can get out in front and you can run your race. He did a phenomenal job. And if you watch the last 15, 20 laps of that race, every time Larson would gain on him, he could not finish the run. Now, part of that has to do with those stupid cars that they're running right now. You know, you lose the air off the nose, all the other crap that they've got. I, I, I hate that. But the other part was Denny Hamlin and genius driving. He knew when to move. He knew when to change his line to take the air off of Larson. He knew uh, he he did that and it was flawless. And going into that last corner, Larson said he video gamed it and he did. I mean, he basically just rode the wall and had a heck of a run. If he, if Denny Hamlin hadn't gone high, Larson would have drove around him on the outside like like Cole Trickle in Days of Thunder. He really would have because he was glued to that wall and he was flying. He was absolutely flying. But Hamlin got the win. He pulled it off. And it was an incredible race. And that race, when we talked last week about the championship, that set up some incredible drama going forward through these playoffs. You saw the vast majority of the playoff contenders have problems. Right? A lot of them had problems. Like half of them wrecked out of the race or were a lap down. Christopher Bell was running a phenomenal race. One mistake in the pits. They didn't tighten up one wheel and it came loose. He goes a lap down. He went from running second to being a lap down. And it's that close. It's that close. That is the difference between winning and finishing a lap down. And it's just one mistake. And those guys showed just how athletic, just what kind of shape you need to be in. Excuse me. Um, And how far the sport has progressed. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So heck of a show at Darlington. Larson came close, but came up short. Hamlin got the win. And so Hamlin's locked, locked himself into the round of 12. Now this week they're at Richmond. Larson has already won the poll. For that race, uh, at least according to the news here. And so gonna be interesting to see. I I think Larson is a heavy favorite. Um, I I don't, you know, I don't know why you would think otherwise, but like I said, the drivers that I went with before, Harvick came from behind and had a phenomenal finish. He started the playoff in the last position. He's already in the seventh position. Did a Excellent job of moving up. Took advantage of the opportunity, ran a great race, and got himself an awesome finish. Was able to come home with the top five. So, you know, the, the guys who I picked, Larson, Truex, Blaney, and Harvick, okay, they're, they're all still in the mix. They're in the top seven right now. And later on, we're going to do, I got a little game that I'm going to play, a little, I don't know what you want to call it, a segment, a, a shtick, I don't know, whatever. but. Um, I'm going to, it's going to be the, uh, the NASCAR driver stock game. Actually, it's not just NASCAR. It's, it's all racing drivers, at least the racing drivers that we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to price them as if they were a stock. And we're going to talk about them, whether or not their stock is going to be, if, whether you want to buy, sell, or hold. Cause I was a trader. Well, I still trade. I, I trade the Forex markets to this day. Um, so we're going to do that in just a bit, but before we do that, we're going to, talk about the big news in the F1 world and what is going to be happening with Mercedes drivers lineup next season. So we'll cover that 
next after the break. All right, so big news this last weekend out of the F1 world. So George Russell, the driver of the Williams Mercedes, it's amazing how many, all these teams now, they all, it's like every team now has got Mercedes or Ferrari or some other freaking name after it. But anyway, so George Russell, the driver of the Williams Ferrari, um, or excuse me, excuse me, take that back, Williams Mercedes, uh, is going to be going to Mercedes next season. He is going to be taking over Valtteri Bottas's ride. Now, Bottas, this comes at a really inconvenient time, um, just because there's not a there's not a lot of teams that were looking for drivers. Uh, there was not very many openings. Um, when you actually look at what was available to a driver of um, Bottas's. Uh, skill level, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. Is, is Valtteri Bottas Lewis Hamilton? Well, no, of course not. He's not a seven time world champion, right? But he is a very good driver. He has won, what is it? Eight or nine races. That is a very difficult thing to do. There are many people who enter F1 and never score a point, let alone win a Grand Prix. So for him to win almost double digits, that is really incredible. Now, you can sit there and you can make the argument that it is all about the car and it is not him and you know, on and on and on and on. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to drive the car. You have to be able to. Now, one thing that Bottas does really, really good is he qualifies really well. He usually qualifies almost always in the top three. I mean, his qualifying is really good, but his race craft at the end of the day does seem to be... I think that's where Hamilton... I mean, obviously, Hamilton's... You, know, you can make the argument that he's the greatest F1 driver of all time. So... You know, when you're comparing both uh, ass to him, it's going to be obviously it's going to be he's going to come up short, but it's it's really the race craft that seems to get him. Um, you know, when he's got those races where he can start up front and just kind of like get away from everybody and just go, he seems to do okay. But there's times where if the pack is around or he's got to make his way through traffic or anything like that, he seems to to struggle a little bit more than other drivers. Now, understand when I say struggle, we're talking about this on a relative scale meaning he struggles compared to the other top drivers in f1 basically you know the 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 top 0.1 percent of drivers on earth all right <laughs> and the guy's still phenomenal but he's going to be leaving now he's actually going to the alfa romeo team um which is i mean that's really a step back for him you know to go from from mercedes right they literally have won the constructors championship every single year for what eight years now nine years and basically they've won it every year since what red bull won it back in what 2012 with vettel i is that 2012 i think i mean they've won it every year they've won it like almost a decade straight and you're going from that to alfa romeo which is they are not, I mean, they are, to call them a midfield team is, oh man, they're probably towards the back of the midfield team. If you look at the midfield teams, right, you've got the Alpha Tori, you have the Aston Martin, you've got the um, McLaren, right, uh, Renault, like those are like midfield teams, right? Like when you've got, you know, Alpha Male, they're like towards the back with like the Williams and the Haas, okay, like that, that's where they're at. So, Baltas has taken a huge step back. Now he is going to be partnered with, you know, Kimi Raikkonen, who Raikkonen is, I, I, I just think Raikkonen's awesome. Um, 
he could suck as a driver, I would still wrote, vote for or, or root for uh, Kimi Raikkonen. The dude's just the dude's just amazing. But um, Boltas is going to be with him next year, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But as he is moving out, Mercedes is bringing Russell in. Now Russell has shown himself to be very very capable as a driver. Um, he got a podium finish two weeks ago in the one lap race right where they it, the weather was so they just did one lap and and that was basically where you qualified is where you finished and that was what got him that finish um he has qualified up front numerous times in that williams car and that car is is nowhere near the level of machine when you're talking about the you know the red bulls the the mercedes and the ferraris right like that williams is nowhere near that you know hey Maybe 30, 40 years ago, Williams was a top dog. They are not that right now. They have not been that in a long time. So for him to run even up front for a few laps shows that he's got skill. He's got talent. So he's going to get to come into a Mercedes situation that has been, I mean, at the top of their game for basically a decade now. But the interesting thing is, is that What's going to happen, right? Because the way that I really, what really interests me about this is, is what's going to happen if Russell comes out and he starts winning races or starts running consistently up front, right? Is, you know, he's not coming, he's not going to come and just want to be second fiddle to Lewis Hamilton, right? Lewis Hamilton just signed a two year extension, okay? Lewis Hamilton's not signing a two year extension to sit back and like be a mentor. Okay. Like he still wants to race. He still wants to win. He wants to continue being a champion. You know, if he, I mean, you know, he's won his champion is his numbers are insane. Right. You can legitimately make the argument right now that he is the greatest F1 driver of all time. You can make that argument. Some people would say Hamilton. Some people would say Schumacher, right? Like, I mean, you, there's, there, there's a handful of drivers that you can name that you can be like, look, this guy, he's the best, right? This guy's the greatest. This guy's, you can make that argument with a handful of drivers. And Hamilton is one of them. He's on the Mount Rushmore. And he's not going to want to go out as a, oh, well, I'll just tutor my replacement. That's not, that's not what he's got in mind. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens if Russell comes out and starts doing good. Because remember, Russell's raced before in a Mercedes. He filled in for Hamilton when Hamilton was sick. And had it not been for a, you know, a stupid penalty or a cut tire, he would have won that race in Abu Dhabi. I believe it was Abu Dhabi or Secure or something like that. No, it was, it was the Abu Dhabi race. Yeah, that was right because they had to do the double because that was during the whole COVID thing. So yeah, Abu Dhabi, right? He would have won that race. He was the car to beat, the driver to beat. And he ended up not winning because of just, just horrible luck. You know, just unfortunate circumstances for him. So he's proved himself to be capable. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Now you take all of that and then you throw in the fact that next year they've got the new car. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I'm really looking forward to, I got to tell you, I'm actually looking forward to the next season of F1 Drive to Survive. That on Netflix, that is hands down the greatest marketing ploy of all time. It really is. 
if you work in NASCAR, you need to be contacting Netflix and Formula One. You need to be asking them, hey, who was it that created that show? Because I want you to do the same exact thing for us over here in NASCAR. I got back into sim or I got back into Formula One because of sim racing. I got hardcore into Formula One again because of that show. People want to be able to know the drivers. They want to relate to them. They want to know the story behind them. That's what really gets people drawn in. Why did so many people love Dale Earnhardt Jr., right? You knew the story. And the story was incredible, right? He's the son, right? He's like the rebel son of the seven-time champion, the greatest, you know, cup driver in the eyes of many people to ever set foot on, you know, in a race car, right? The story is incredible. We know the story. And we got to see it all the time because back then NASCAR was a little bit more savvy when it came to their marketing, apparently, right? But they don't do anything like that for for their drivers nowadays. And they should, because look at the drivers that you have. You are literally inundated. You are flooded with young talent, like phenomenal young talent and great personalities. Could you imagine if you have, and first of all, if you have not seen F1 Drive to Survive on Netflix, you need to watch it. Even if you don't like Formula One, watch it. It's incredible. And I can tell you right now, if you watch it and you're not a fan of Formula One, you will want to be a fan of Formula One when you're done watching that show. You absolutely will because it's incredible the way that they've done it. Imagine a show like that, right? For those of you who have seen it, where you're actually getting to see that stuff with Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, the Bush brothers, right? All their nonsense and ridiculousness, right? Kevin Harvick, Denny Ham, like like the personalities of NASCAR. It would be incredible. It would be absolutely incredible. And NASCAR doesn't do anything like that. And they should. If I was in charge of NASCAR and we're sitting there, they're sitting there trying to figure out how to get people to watch and everything again. They're spending all this money on all this other stuff. And what they need to do is they need to do what F1 did with Drive to Survive. If they did that, they would see, I guarantee you, they would see a bump overnight from the time that that show came out and people watched it. Overnight. They should be recording that all season long and at the end of the season, that should go out immediately on Netflix so people can binge watch the entire thing and have it all consumed before Daytona comes in February. If they did that, you would see a massive bump not only in attendance, but also sponsorships and everything else. It would be huge for the sport. Absolutely huge. But what do I know? I'm just a guy talking into a microphone from a spare room in a house that he calls his office. So <laughs> anyways, all right. So that's going to do it for the F1 stuff. Now, the end of the show today. Oh, and really quick, we do have a Ask Tommy. Um, I'm going to get to that in a, in a little bit, but I wanted to do this, this market, this market thing, because, um, it was when I was looking at it and this basically, I kind of got the idea for this because when we were, I was watching the race on Sunday night with my wife and my kid or my son. And, um, my daughter was in the other room. She's like, I'm not watching this, but, uh, we were watching with my, my wife and my son. 
and at the time Kyle Larson was leading, I was like, man, he's so good. And I, I told my son, I said, I, I go, you know, that guy leading the race, I said, he used to kick my butt all the time in go-karts and outlaw carts. And he was like, really? And he, you know, my son's eight. So of course he starts asking me all these questions and everything. And, um, my wife goes, was well, he good? I go, yes, he's really good. I said, if Kyle Larson was a stock, I would be buying it right now. Okay. Like that was what I said. And then that's what gave me the, I was like, oh, wow. What if Kyle Larson was a stock? What would he be worth? You know, I start thinking of that. Um, it's my mind is incredible sometimes. And when I say incredible, I mean that in, in the worst of ways, it just doesn't stop. So, but anyway, so what I did was I came up with a handful of drivers. We have drivers from, um, I, I just got, what I did was I just grabbed some NASCAR drivers and some F1 drivers because that's what we talked about today. I could go dry, grab world of outlaw drivers and USAC, you know, I can go get a bunch of drivers, but we don't want to be sitting here, you know, talking about when I'm, when I'm like, when I'm like, Hey, sunshine buying or selling, right? Some people are like, who's sunshine, right? So we're just sticking to kind of the major, the major big names that people know of, at least the vast majority of people know of. So that way you can kind of follow along. So we've got, let me see. We got seven, five drivers. No. Okay. So we've got, it looks like seven or eight. I got my list, but for some reason I'm eight, I think. Anyways. So we've got a handful of NASCAR guys and then just, you know, like three F1 guys. Okay. So up first, one that we've talked about um, consistently Kyle Larson. So the way that, let me first explain how this works. So the way that this works is, is we're going to look at this once every couple weeks, we're not going to do this every week, but once every couple weeks. And so basically we're going to price them as a stock. Okay. And the pricing of the stock can be one to 100. All right. Now, the way that this is going to work is, is we're going to basically pretend that we are either buying, selling, or holding. So for example, if I've got a driver, right? And let me say Kyle Larson, and this is not his price, but let's just say, I, I say it's max. He's $100 a share. Well, obviously I'm not going to buy him at $100 a share. He can't go up anymore. Okay. But what I can do is I can hold. So I would say hold, right? Or if I think actually he, I think he's going to go down and we're talking about for the rest of this season, the rest of this racing season. If I'm, if I think he's going to go down, then I would say sell. Okay. So that's the way that it works in a nutshell. All right. So first up is Kyle Larson. And when we do this, we'll come back and we will look at these numbers and compare them. Like I said, you know, like once a month until we get to the end of the seasons. And then once the seasons wrap up, we'll see where we are at. All right, so first up is Kyle Larson. Now remember, this is one to $100, okay? $100 is the max. Now, Kyle Larson, I've got him priced at $80 a share. So if you own stock in Kyle Larson, it was $80 a share based on where you think that stock is going to be at the end of the current NASCAR season. Would you buy more? Would you hold or would you sell? Okay. That's, that's what, that, that's all this is. All right. We're going to track this. Well, right now for me, I would be holding. I actually wouldn't buy any more, but I would be holding. I think Kyle Larson has a phenomenal chance to be one of the last four drivers. We talked about this last week. I think he can make the final four. I think he has a legitimate shot to win the championship. What I saw from him on Sunday night was incredible. Even though he did not win the race, what I saw from him was incredible. One 
rough pit stop at the worst time is what really cost him that race. He had been dominating that race. Had he not had that pit stop and came out so far back, I think he would have won the race. So he was, in my opinion, hands down the fastest car. He just couldn't get around Hamlin at the end. Hamlin drove a phenomenal race. So he is definitely on track. He just got the pole for this week's race at Richmond. So he's on track for a phenomenal season. Is it going to continue? In my opinion, yes, I think so. I'm not going to buy any more because the upside isn't really there, right? I mean, there's a little bit of upside. Basically, you got to win the championship, though, to, to really tap out. So for me, it's 80 bucks. I'm holding at $80. Now, if he has a bad week and dips, then I might buy some more. But I'm not buying any more right now at this price, okay? So that's the way this works, all right? So that's number one. The next one that we've got here is Christopher Bell. Now, Christopher Bell, he had a great run going. He did. He had been running up in the top five. He was up to second at one point behind Larson. And unfortunately, he had a bad pit stop. Not, no fault of his. The wheel did not get tightened up. Steve Letarte in the booth did a phenomenal job of talking about this all night long as that, that the epoxy that they use, the rubber cement or whatever that they use, to hold the lug nuts on. He was saying as the night goes on and the weather changes and as that stuff sits there for longer and longer, it starts to gum up on the studs. And he's like, you want to take your time and make sure that you get that thing wrenched all the way down. He goes, an extra half a second can make sure that you get that wheel tightened. And you saw it happen to numerous drivers. There was like five or six drivers, man, who had to come back in because of a loose wheel. And Bell was one of them. Now, Bell sits ninth in the points right now. I like Bell. I think Bell is one of the, in terms of raw talent, I put him, he's not quite Kyle Larson level, but man, he's, he's damn close. The kid can drive anything. He really can't, and he's fast and everything. So I definitely like his upside on the long term. Now, based on this season, at $50 a share, I got to be honest, I would actually be holding right now. I would not buy any more. I would hold, but I'm not selling. Okay, I think Bell has a shot to make the, the round of eight, right? The final eight, I guess is what it would be. Yeah, eight. So I think he's got a, a legit shot to make the last eight. I don't see him making the final four though. I don't. Like I talked about last week on my final four, Bell wasn't one of them. I think he can make the final eight. He's got a, he's got, he's got a puncher's chance at the top four just because he's so talented. I can see him winning a race that nobody would expect. He is that good of a driver. But as of right now, I got him 50 bucks and I'm holding on him. Now, the next one that we've got is Ryan Blaney and we've got him priced at 55. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, Ryan Blaney, he had a horrible night. His brakes were basically shot. <laughs> At like the halfway mark of the race, every time he pulled into the pits, his right front brake was on fire. His brake lines exploded and he ended up wrecking. And even despite all of that, he's still fifth in the playoffs right now. And I told you going in or last week coming into the, the, the first race of the, of the, of the playoff that I really liked him, that he was my pick, Right. For the championship. I thought Blaney could actually win the championship. I still stand with that. And I'm telling you right now, at $55, I am buying more Blaney stock. Give it to me. If you don't want it, get, I will buy it. Sell it to me. It's mine. I'll take it. I am buying the Ryan Blaney stock. I thought he looked really, really good in Sunday night's race, despite the finish. The finish obviously was not great, but I thought he looked really good. 
and the next couple of tracks that are coming up, I think he can do really good at. Particularly Talladega. He did great at Daytona. The kid can draft, man. He seems to be a pretty good restricted plate racer. So it's going to be, Talladega is going to be interesting. The next three races are going to be really interesting. You got Richmond, Bristol, and Talladega, right? Talladega is going to be the, the fourth race that decides the round. Like that, that's not a recipe for chaos. So, um, all right, who do we got next? Oh, next is Chase Elliott. So last year's defending champion, off to a rough start. Um, he had worked himself up to the front, to the top five, and then wrecked. Um, he, I believe he had a flat tire, made some connect, made a, made contact with somebody, uh, got a flat tire and wrecked and he had a rough night. Now he's already dropped to 10th in the points. And if you remember the last week's episode, this is why you got to listen to every episode. Cause I will constantly refer back to previous stuff that we've talked about. Um, but if you remember last week's episode, I told you that I like Chase, but I didn't like some of the stuff his team was doing. They were, they were, they were giving up points as quickly as he could pull them in. And I still stand by that. Now, his stock is high because he's coming off a championship at $65. I'm going to tell you right now, I would actually be selling Chase Elliott stock. Just because, like I said, I don't think his team, I mean, I just have a bad feeling. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I feel that way other than the fact that that's just what we've seen the last few weeks. Now, he is, you know, his team is a Hendrick team. It's not like he's with, you know, Roy Dean racing at a, you know, at a Poughkeepsie or something like that in a garage. Like he's, he's with Hendrick, right? He's with Hendrick Motorsports, like the, the team in NASCAR. So could they turn around? Absolutely. Could I end up eating crow on this? Absolutely. He could very well go out and win this next race and he's locked in now and and be on his way to his second championship in a row. That could absolutely happen. I just, I just don't have that feeling. So right now at $65, I would be selling my Chase Elliott stock. Just sell, sell, sell. Get rid of it. Dump it. Dump the shares. I tell you what, I will give you my Chase Elliott stock and you can give me your Ryan Blaney stock. That's what we'll, we'll trade it right now. Just straight across. Boom. Do that for me. And I, I, that's a heck of a deal. All right. Our last cup driver is Kevin Harvick. So happy Harvick. Um, God, I, 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 I can't imagine what he feels like. I feel old watching Kevin Harvick as, you know, as old as he is now. Like, I'm like, God, I remember when he was like this young kid in NASCAR and now he's like wearing glasses because he can't see. Um, Nothing wrong with that, but I just, it's just crazy that he has been in the sport so long. Now, he had a rough year. Um, He did not win a race this whole season, just barely made the playoff. But he started it off with a top five, they looked really, really good. They were, they did not have a car capable of winning. But what I saw from them on Sunday night was a team that just got a top five because they knew how to do it. Like it was experience and, you know, grit, toughness, perseverance, whatever the hell you want to call it. They have it and you saw it Sunday night. And they were able to work themselves up to a top five finish. And now Harvick is seventh in points. He went from 16th to seventh in a week. And at $25 a share, I tell you right now, I am buying Harvick stock. I'm buying that up. Because I told you, I think he can make the top four. I think he can make the final four for the championship 
I really do. I think he can be one of the final four. So if I got him at $25 a share, I'd be buying that stuff all day long. So that's the cup, guys. Now we got actually three F1 guys. And I basically, with the F1 guys, I kind of just picked, you know, the, the top ones. The two of them, everyone's going to know. One of them, I don't know. If you don't know who this is, then you don't follow F1. But first up is obviously Lewis Hamilton. So Hamilton, this season, he is second place in points. He's three points behind Verstappen right now which is actually pretty incredible. When you look at the number of races that Verstappen has won this year, for Hamilton to only be three points behind, that really should tell you something. Just how good and consistent they have been. Now, the one thing that kind of scares me about Hamilton and the Mercedes team is, is a few weeks ago, they were like, all right, well, we're kind of just giving up on this season and focusing on next year with the new car. Now, that was kind of the rumblings that was coming out of the Mercedes camp. Now, obviously, they haven't looked like that. They've, they've looked very competitive, okay? I mean, they, they've been up front every single week. So whether or not that's true, I don't know. But the fact that they would even hint at it or say it does kind of make me a little bit uneasy. Now, the other thing that makes me a little uneasy is the person that they're racing against. Now, Hamilton is 65. I would not buy, but I would not sell. I would be holding on to Hamilton. And the reason why I would be holding on to Hamilton is because of the next driver we've got, which is Max Verstappen. Now, this kid might be one of the... Man, I gotta tell you, dude, when I watch this guy race, it's incredible. It really is. He might be the hardest, like, the hardest racing driver on the planet. Like every single lap, he's like on the edge, like to the point that if I was Christian Horner, right, the team principal of 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 Red Bull, I'd be like, "Hey, Max, dude, you're you're winning by forty five seconds. Could you back it down a skosh, just just a tiny bit? Like you don't have to be on the limit of the tire through that hairpin there. You're good, man. There's only two laps left. Just just pull it back a little bit. Let's just bring this car home in one piece with the victory." right? Like he's like that kind of driver. He's incredibly talented. He really is. And the, and the crazy thing is, is, is that he is getting better. His, he's still got stuff that's raw. Like he's not even polished, right? Like Lewis Hamilton, you look at Lewis Hamilton, you're like, dude, that, that is a polished, right? Driver. Like Lewis Hamilton should be under glass. Okay. Like don't touch. Okay. He's that good. He's, he's polished. Like Yes, he can get better, but I mean, at the end of the day, you take that nine times, 10 times out of 10. If you can have Lewis Hamilton for one season, you're like sold, sign me up, right? Because he's that good. For Stampin, that guy, I still think he can get a lot better, which is a really scary thing. Now, coming down the home stretch here, right? Or shouldn't say home stretch, like the second half of the season, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because Verstappen, they've had a lot of wins, but they've had a couple of races that were just really bad where they had some wrecks and stuff like that. Just some bad luck. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now, Verstappen right now, I've got him priced at $75. He is another one that I would be holding. I would not buy. I would not sell, but I would be holding. I do think Verstappen's going to win the championship this year in F1. I do think he's going to win it. I think it, someone besides Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes will win a championship this season, and it's going to be Max Verstappen. So that's my prediction My prediction on the F1. Now, obviously, things can change. Stuff can happen. But as of right now, just looking at it as a whole, I think Verstappen's the, the guy to beat. They've been just dominant this whole season. Now, our fourth and final, or fourth, our, 
third and final F1 driver and our eighth and final driver overall for our stock pricing driver game. I don't even have a name for it, but for this little exercise is Lando Norris. Lando Norris is a driver for the McLaren team in F1. Now he has been doing very good. When you look at what you would call the midfield teams, okay? And midfield would be the teams that are like McLaren, AlphaTauri, uh, Renault, right? Aston Martin. Those would be considered like midfield teams. Ferrari would actually be considered a top tier team. Now they are kind of on the comeback. They were doing really good like two seasons ago. And then like they had a season where they were just horrible. Like all of a sudden their motors were just bad. And then there was that whole thing about the, you know, F1, the cover up and everything, just a bunch of stuff about their motors and being illegal and whatever. Um, and they had a horrible year and then they've kind of, they've come back this year. Now, because Ferrari is Ferrari, they'll always be considered a top tier team, no matter what they're doing. But McLaren has been kind of, you know, they, they fell off there for, for a few years and they've been working their way back up. And a big part of that is Lando Norris. Now, this kid can drive. He's really good. He is fourth in points right now. He's nine points behind Botas. And I don't I don't know if he can catch Botas. It's going to take some bad luck because the way that the scoring works in F1, right, the points are so hard to come by. And the, the, the difference between positions is so small right? And if you get past like fifth place in the top five, you might be able to gain some ground, but you're going to need to be putting it on the podium very consistently. Now, I think Lando Norris has the, the ability to do that. And I think McLaren is definitely on the right path. It would not shock me to see McLaren, you know, in the for coming years here as one of the top tier teams. It really wouldn't. I, in fact, I nothing would please me more as an F1 fan than to go into next season and be like, dude, I, there's six drivers who could win the championship, right? Like if you're like, man, dude, McLaren, Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, all of those teams could win the championship. Like nothing would make me happier. And I think that's what we're going to see. Now, obviously they got the new car coming out next year. So that's going to really be a crapshoot. Um, just for the fact that we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's doing what and how, you know, all that type of stuff. So we'll have to wait and see, you know, when, when the Grand Prix rolls around in 2022, the first one of the year. But I think Lando Norris, the rest of this season, I am a believer. I think he can pull off the top three. I think it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. But I got him priced at $45. And I'm telling you right now, I'm buying Lando Norris stock. Buying it up. All right? So to wrap this up, all right, for our stock picking game, here's the deal. We are holding Kyle Larson. We are holding Christopher Bell. We are buying Ryan Blaney. We are buying Kevin Harvick. We are selling Chase Elliott. We are holding Hamilton, holding Verstappen, and buying Lando Norris. And what we'll do is we'll come back every couple weeks and we'll kind of see what's going on. And of course, if these guys do horrible, then I will be losing make-believe Monopoly money. <laughs> but anyways, so that's our stock picking game for today and we are going to wrap this up in just a moment but before we wrap it up with ask tommy we're going to take a break and we'll be right back all right it is time for the ask 
Tommy portion of the show. And this is basically really, really simple. If you got a question, a comment, anything like that, just send it to asktommy at gmail.com. That's it. It can be, I mean, last week I was answering questions about setups for your real life race cars. It could be something about that. It could be about what's going on in the racing world. It could be, I don't know, about your girl troubles. Whatever you want to ask me, go ahead. I don't really care, all right? Just <laughs> something to have fun with. Now, this week, we only got one, um, which I would expect. Um, that was actually more than I thought we'd get, but um, we got one, and it's from... And I don't know why. You can put your names, guys. It's okay. <laughs> so thank you, whoever sent this in. Um, I would say the email address, but I don't want to give that out. But this is... I. He's got a question. Tommy, I got a question for you. You are, you've made mention, excuse me. Okay, I'm, God, I'm reading this wrong. Tommy, I've got a question for you. You have mentioned that you are a former hardcore NASCAR, NASCAR fan that is getting back into the sport. That is true. Um, I, I was diehard, got away from it, and got back into it over the last year, year and a half or so. Um, and you've you've talked about how th- you didn't like a lot of the changes. I got lost where I was at. You, there's a point to this. Oh, so you talked about how you didn't like a lot of the changes. Uh, bump stops. That's been one of the big rants that I went on years ago. Was or I've talked about was bump stops. The whole bump stop thing drove me nuts. But uh, what do you think about the news that came out oh, about the number? Okay, so this is he's asking about the number. What do I think about the NASCAR news on the number? Okay, so in case you didn't see this in. If you haven't caught this, you you haven't been paying attention to the NASCAR news. The whole thing started when when Kurt Busch was announced as, you know, the with the team change and they showed his car with the number move forward. Now, the number on NASCAR's head, it's always been right there in the middle of the door. You got the number in the middle of the doors on both sides and you got the number on the top. And the 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 purist in me, right? The 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 old school fan of NASCAR, right? That grew up watching it in the late '80s. That literally misses the days of watching the old Thunderbirds and Luminas and you know the old school Monte Carlos, right? Sliding around the track, you know what I mean? Like that, that that's what I grew up watching. That's what I fell in love with was that NASCAR, and that carried me all the way through the '90s. Now that stuff died in the late nineties. It, it went away. It died. The, the NASCAR that I grew up loving is gone. It is, it is dead and gone. They killed it. They sold out in my opinion, trying to capture the, you know, the, the average person, right? The common fan and sports do this. Businesses do this. And, and it drives me nuts because you don't, that's not who you should be catering your business to. NASCAR blew up into the 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 behemoth that it was because of their hardcore fans. Right? They did. And they shouldn't have they you shouldn't apologize for that. When people are like, "Oh, well that's a regional sport that's dedicated to people who like racing." Okay, it is. What what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. But they saw dollar signs, corporations started coming in, and then they started doing all the crap that all these other sports, you know, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, right? That all they do. The problem is, is that the NASCAR product was 
very different than the NBA product or the NFL product, meaning you can't just go grab a car and start racing with your friends up and down the street, right? I can go grab a wiffle ball and a bat for $2 at the Dollar General, right? And I can play with my friends, right? We can play right out in front of my house and play baseball. We can go grab a football and play football together. We can get a basketball and play basketball literally anywhere. But if we want to race cars together, we can't do that. So there's a disconnect there. And so when you get people into this and they're like, man, I love this because why do, why do kids love athletes? Right? Why did that? <laughs> that reminds me of side note real quick. If you have you ever seen the movie, uh, in the up in the air with, with George Clooney, there's a part where he asked this guy, he says, why do kids, why do kids love athletes? And the guy says, because they screw lingerie models. And he's like, no, that's why we love athletes. <laughs> Anyways. But kids love athletes because that, that's what they want to do. That's what they want to be. They want to grow up and be that, right? Every kid wants to be a professional athlete or, you know, race car driver and all that type of stuff like that. Well, when you realize that, dude, I'm not going to do that. My family doesn't have 100K to get me a race car, right? I'm going to watch something else. And what happened was, is you hit this point where those kids, now they cycle through. And so now your, your viewership is dropped off because you alienated your hardcore fans. And NASCAR did that. Okay. So first and foremost, you have to understand that the NASCAR that, that, that everybody is still trying to hold on to, it's dead. It's gone. It's been gone since Dale Earnhardt died at Daytona. It really has been. When he died, the old, that was the last remnants of the old school NASCAR that we grew up watching and loving. All right. And we have entered into a new age. And the age now, I think, is finally starting to get on the right track. They made a lot of bad decisions, in my opinion. They really got away from what made, you know, NASCAR, NASCAR. And they're just now trying to bring that back. Now, one of the things that they keep running into, obviously, is money. Money and racing is a huge, huge deal. That's why sponsorships are such a big part of the sport. Well, when you move that number forward on the door, you can now fit a much bigger sponsor on that panel, all right, on that door panel, on that, that rear quarter panel, okay? Now that sponsor can take up that whole side and back side of that door and then the whole, you know, rear of the, the, the whole left side rear or the whole right side rear, right? Like you can take up that whole side of that car because where they used to keep the contingency stickers, right? All the little contingency logos that they used to have on there, you would see on the cars, there'd be like 50 of them, right? You had the, you know, the Goodyear, and you had the, you know, back then is Winston and the Skull and the Budweiser and the Coke and the Pepsi and the Gatorade and all them little stickers. Well, you ran all those because you got contingency money for running those. That was basically owned by NASCAR. That portion of your car, NASCAR owned. They're like, look, you can't, you can't put your stuff there. Right? Can't do it. Well, they don't own that anymore. And so now you can move that number forward. And you have much more real estate for the major sponsors, which equals more dollars. And for everything that NASCAR does to try and limit spending, they have the residual effect of increasing spending. I was talking to a buddy of mine who worked in NASCAR for like a decade. And he still has a lot of friends that work in NASCAR. With this next-gen car, everything that they have is basically now obsolete. 
everything. They had these templates, these like laser templates that you would put on the car and it would scan the entire car and it would tell you, right? I mean, to the, I mean, the utmost accuracy, like, hey, you need to pull the left rear fender out by two millimeters. You need to push in the right, you know, quarter panel by a half an inch, right? Like things like that, that type of stuff. It costs millions of dollars for one of those templates. They're worthless now. They're worthless. They're obsolete. And there is no, it's not like they can take that stuff and go sell it to an ARCA team, right? They can't go sell, you know, like back in the day, like that's how it was. Like, oh, they're not running cup no more. Oh, we'll just sell all this stuff to an ARCA team. Like, no, they're not doing that no more. So you just got all this equipment that's just now worthless. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. And now these teams have to go out and they got to they gotta buy all this new stuff. Now, yes, over the long haul, will it limit spending? Well, yes, because they've got third-party, you know, um, builders that are building all the parts and the chassis and stuff. They're going to be ordering it and basically putting the cars together. It's almost like buying a roller from a, from a manufacturer, right? Like, oh, I want a new rocket dirt late model. Okay, I'll just call and get a roller and they'll send me all the parts. I'll put it together. That's basically what they're doing now. There's very few things that are actually done in-house anymore. But... For all of that, which will save them money in the long run, the upfront loss is huge, is huge. And so the idea of being able to bring in more sponsorship money is always appealing. Now, to circle this all the way back around to my thoughts on it, I, to be honest, I really don't care. I don't. As long as the number's on the door, that's fine with me. I would rather have them move it up than move it back. I think it would look stupid if they moved it to the back of the door. Um, you know, right in front of the rear wheel. I think that would look dumb. So moving it forward, whatever. Like I said, they, the sport that I grew up loving is dead. It's gone. It's never coming back. Um, this is just one more thing to me that proves it. Yes, I follow it. Yes, I like it. Now I, I still like it. You know what I mean? And I, I, I have drivers that I root for, but I'll never be the NASCAR fan that I was because that version of NASCAR doesn't exist. And it's not going to exist, at least anytime in the foreseeable future. All right, so that's going to do it all for today's episode. Really quick, thank you very much as always for joining me. And do me a favor, if you like this, please download, like, share, subscribe, all that other good stuff. We are now on all of the channels, um, you know, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Except the only ones we're not on are Apple and Stitcher. I'm still working on those. Of course, they have their own complex, complicated process for getting on their, their platform. So as soon as we're on Apple, I will let you know. But other than that, we're on every other place that you can get your podcast. So please find us, download, subscribe, share, all that other good stuff. Do all that for me. And I will be back here next Wednesday to do this all over again. And until then, take care.